head on over to patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast right now to support the podcast and sign up for our premium content and now here's the podcast the pride of limerick the young man named sean sheehan the mma media don graham mcdonald the severe MMA people that are coming to the local shows way before everyone else. To see them coming up and they're getting their shot. And I'm proud that people are coming up with me. Welcome, welcome everybody. It's episode 225 of the Severe MMA podcast. My name is Sean Sheehan, joined today by the Tywin Lannister of Irish MMA media, Graham McDonald. As we talk about a big week in the world of MMA. I, actually, Graham, I think... Is this the earliest we've ever recorded a podcast? You're off to uh, you're off to electric picnic tomorrow, so we said we'd come in, record it early. I'll come in and uh, at the end of the podcast and talk about any breaking news or the and the big UFC China card as well. So if you're looking for that, that'll be at the end of the podcast. But you're looking Huge forward UFC to China card. Yeah, you you're looking forward to your uh, your weekend. You are. Yeah, I am. Yeah, yeah. Should be good. Uh, the weather is not looking too good. I've got to get my weather update in. You know, it's customary at this stage. <laughs> weather man, Graham. <laughs> it's got to make it a gimmick. Like this, uh, <laughs> you have to make it. Say I planned this gimmick all along. I'm not old. I just planned this no. gimmick. It's the most Irish thing of all time to just start know, start talking yeah. about the fucking. It's weather. just this is small talk, like. But uh, I like it when people when you're young and people talk about that, you're like, ah, so warm, but. Uh, I don't know. It's just uh, I'm just gonna make it a gimmick now, like my Champions of Europe Liverpool gimmick. Well, that's that's more. Uh, Hopefully, well, keep that going for many years to come. Uh, if Liverpool, it's, can, it's more a way of life. And it can be my world champion gimmick if Liverpool can win the World Club Championships yeah. as well. Uh, did you win? You won the Super Cup, didn't you? You're the Super Cup uh, World Super Champions, champions Super of Europe. Champions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes. it's a little better than the Community Shield, but it's still. Yeah, yeah, it's, a little bit better. You have to, it, it, because because it's very hard to get there. Like it, it, it does, and it's like you can't win it that often because obviously it's very hard to get there. But uh, it's still, I don't know. Liverpool were in a community it, shield this year as well, weren't they? Yeah, we oh, had extra time and yeah. and penalties in both. Like it was kind of like you're, you're trying to do a preseason and you got guys out there for 120 minutes. Like it's not ideal. What business did they in the community shield? They didn't win the FA Cup. Obviously, they didn't win the. League yeah, when you come second, you you yeah. get in as because the FA Cup champions and the domestic I just, I just like provincial slagging. provincial champions were the same. I just like slagging. Uh, speaking of being old, yes, <laughs> slagging. Uh, like we talk about Man United <laughs> for a minute. <laughs> no, no, no. That's how right. was it. <laughs> Go over and listen to True Balls podcast. Uh, who, who should who should take the next penalty? Who should take the next one? Uh, Martial. I think that's the obvious answer. Tony. Yeah, he, he should, should take When ball. he grabbed the ball, I was really hoping he was going to not give it to either of them. I was like, ah, go on, Tony. That'd be funny. Because he, right? he grabbed the ball and gave it to Rashford. But if he had to just grab the ball and, and ran over and took the penalty, it would have been very funny. Mm. I actually wouldn't mind that. I'd be like, oh, you can, you can look at the slides on my PowerPoint. Uh, we, we added Martial <laughs> in there. <laughs> oh, God. Don't depress me. Uh, <laughs> First game of the season, you won four 0 You were like, "Oh, we're gonna do it. We're back. We're back." <laughs> and then you get a couple of couple of mid table clashes, and uh, that was almost all gimmick, though. That was almost next week. Gimmick. Next week is potential banana skin for Southampton in in Man United. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Liverpool's B team, is it? Who are yeah, you gonna say next? The youth, the youth team. James Ward Prowse is he the next one coming to Liverpool? Is he? Nah, I don't, I, I, who do they still have? I don't mm. know. Your man, the centre midfielder, he's good. I always thought Man United would sign him. They're trying to get rid of him as well for like 20 million or something. What's his name? Uh, uh, we'll, we'll probably wait a few years until somebody proves themselves a bit more and then, yeah, and then take them. Then take them on, then, yeah. then graduate them to the yeah to the first team squad. Yeah, fuck it. We better talk about him anyway, will we? Now, Champions so. League's draw today actually as well. So uh, Looking forward to seeing who we get in there. <laughs> we got Rochdale in the uh, cup anyway. Sure, that's the most I'm important. looking forward to the, the not Man United. Uh, 
pictures everywhere. Yeah, God, I I did that for Liverpool often enough down the years. I'd say you did. I'd say you did. You got to take it on the chin. Yeah. Speaking of taking on the chin, yesterday, speaking of being like old, uh, I was getting, I was out uh, down down with my sister, and I got out of the car, and my niece was in the back of the car, and she opened the door right and just smashed it into my knee. And I felt like the oldest person in the world walking around with like a hobbled knee yesterday. Like Peter like, Griffin on the road. My leg. I've seen him at the time. <laughs> yeah, it was it was horrendous. I was I'd be wobbling around here off. I was sitting down at a fucking desk doing a podcast. But anyway, we're getting old, Graham. We're getting old. But uh, let's talk about. Uh, we'll never be as old as Noel McGrath that's, we'll, that's Jesus, no one will ever be as old as that man the, the <laughs> oldest 40 year old in Dublin <laughs> 40, long time since he was 40 uh, right we better talk about Habib Nurmagomedov versus Dustin Poirier and I suppose watching watching boy Poirier. definitely my boy Poirier close personal friend of mine Dustin Poirier uh, watching tape for this fight didn't you? Didn't you slyly use his phone to follow yourself? No, he followed. No, he had already. Fo- he followed me like the day after that. But he, uh, I, I was drinking pints with him at UFC Dublin. I've told the story like ten times. Uh, yeah, I know you love telling the yeah. story. That's why I teed you. <laughs> me up. And uh, I was like, uh, "Here, you blocked my brother on Twitter because <clears throat> he said something about like Irish people being like sausage eating muck savages or some shit like that." And Patrick, uh, and he deleted it. And Patrick had like the screenshot and he like tweeted it out or something. Uh, so Dustin Barrier blocked him and I was like here you blocked my brother what do you, what, what do, you do uh, and he was like ah he probably deserved it he probably deserved it so that was grand anyway about two hours later after we'd been drinking it all he just uh, I was like I think your man Will Martin was there do you know him he was there and I think I was uh, like uh, drinking with him talking around and Barrier was at like the next table to uh, alongside us and he just turned around and he looked at me and just threw me his phone and caught it he was like unblock him and follow him <laughs> so I unblocked him and I followed him uh, as I did it so yeah that was that was the story but yeah he's a, he's a nice old where, where, story. where is Will Martin these days speaking of Will Martin is he yeah, still around he is he's doing uh, he's his own podcast and stuff oh, and he's, too, he's too good for us now too is good he? for us yeah too good definitely uh, too good. we'll know now if he, if he listens China be, you've changed yeah <laughs> he'll be tweeting us now up. if he's listening, he's listening. but uh, th- this fight like what do you think of this fight? Like, watching it and with, with uh, you know, a, a lot of times in MMA and, you know, sometimes in boxing and other, other sports as well, we see a champion and we see how good they are, how dominant they are, how, you know, they beat people down pretty easily and that has been most of Habib's fights. Um, and we just expect them to win. And we expect them to win. Is that the kind of feeling you have coming in here that a lot I- of people are just expecting Habib to win? Yeah, I think you look at the the record is obviously flawless, and you know uh, the way he's dominated like nearly everybody. Obviously, he years and years ago we could, we could talk about Glazen Tebow, but in recent memory, he's been completely dominant on this run to the title and and now as champion. So it's just a hard, such a hard style to. He does the style so well that it's so hard to stop. Uh, we've seen it time and time again, but he is he is susceptible on the feet. Like um, time and time again, we have heard his um, his corner shouting for him to follow a game plan and he, that he isn't really following. So maybe that will come back and bite him in one of these fights. Like you know, look at Daniel Cormier. Maybe that was a warning to his to his teammate Habib about not being reckless and what can happen. I know it's heavyweight, but you know if 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 you're reckless in there on the feet standing for too long when you're when you when you're so dominant like Habib is then things can happen this is MMA like Poirier isn't the biggest puncher but if he lands clean and you're moving in or you're you're just being arrogant or sloppy or not following the game plan he he can find an opening there like but 
it's just it's hard to look past a Bieber, really. Yeah, when you this game, he's just so good at yeah. what he does. Like everybody knows what he's gonna. It's no secret. There's mm-hmm. like you can train all you want for it. It seems, but it seems like he's just he's just better than anybody you can train with at doing what he does. Mm-hmm. When you say Aparia ha- is not the biggest puncher, I I disagree with that. I think he probably is. Well, maybe apart from McGregor, but at 155 pounds i think he probably is the biggest puncher he is a huge puncher he hits hard he hurts look at him against um, yeah uh, i think you need to i don't know well, he, he, he hits lads really, you don't need really, to knock really out a bee, but yeah it can, if you hit if you hit if you don't knock him out you can hit him hard enough to change a fight like we've seen for example henenborough after tj rocked him in the first round he was like a shadow of himself for the rest of the fight mm-hmm. um we've seen it before like punches change fights without even knocking people down or knocking people out, but uh, I just uh, like like I wouldn't be all that shocked if if Poirier does it. He has methods of victory, but I just think that once Habib gets one takedown early in the fight, he'll do enough damage to to wear the cardio. Like it seems, no matter how much cardio, or if you've like in the past, if you've shown that you can go five rounds no problem, when you fight Habib and he gets you down for any any long amount of time to work on on beating you up and just just wearing you down people just seem to be shot after it mm-hmm. I, I agree and like they're it's just grinding it's just like yeah. it's just it's just the best grinding and the best pressure on the ground we've seen i think mm-hmm. in, in mma there, there's a couple of things also like i'm this fight looking at it, right I, i'll talk about specifics of you know what they're good at and what they're bad at maybe but to me this all comes down to Dustin Poirier's attitude towards Habib. Now, he might go out and he might fight the exact way you want him to fight and he might still lose because Habib is that good. But to give himself a chance, I think he needs to fight the right way. He needs to attack Habib. He needs to go forward. Okay, and look out for the... Uh, watch out for the wrestling. You know, don't be too insane. Don't go too mad. Don't let your hands go too much and he, let him come uh, in underneath. But you have to throw your shots as well. You have to do it. We said it before the, the McGregor fight. We said it before all Habib fights. If you don't go forward, push Habib back and throw your shots, you're fucked straight away. You also can't have so much respect for Habib that it leads you to kind of give up your game and expect him to take you down. Like, Habib Nurmagomedov is human. If you do the right things, as, you know, you mentioned the Glace and Tebow fight, <clears throat> and look at the Conor McGregor fight. I went back and watched the full fight. Look at the first uh, four minutes or so of the uh, the third round. A lot of people say Habib struck with him for that three minutes. But McGregor actually stopped those takedowns. And how did he do it? It's the left wrist of Habib. You have to control it. That's the key to this whole fight. If uh, Dustin Poirier can control that left wrist, get the overhook or the underhook on the other side, pull Habib up and turn him away, he will win this fight. He'll get to the striking. He will stop Habib from taking him down. Like, okay, he might get taken down in the middle of the cage, but that's more unlikely, I think, than getting taken down against the cage. That's where Habib does his best work. He takes you down against the cage. He gets, you know, the, the overhook or the underhook on, on each side. He gets the body lock. He goes down. He gets the double leg. That is how you stop Habib. I talk about it all the time with, you know, and it's funny to say, if they were the same weight, if they were pound for pound, uh, you know, the the same weight, the perfect man to beat Habib Nurmagomedov would be Israel Adesanya. And that might sound like a weird thing because he's a striker and everything, but the way he stops takedowns, his exact takedown defense is what you need against Habib Nurmagomedov. Control one side with the overhook or the underhook, get control of the wrist on the other side. Watch the third round against Conor McGregor. He did that for uh, twice, maybe three times. 
the the next time when he got taken down towards the end of the round it was when he tried to control the wrist but habib was too quick and got him down that's the key to this fight i really think it now after that you can talk about where they're good where they're bad where you know things might change for me look looking at dustin poria he's a fantastic jab just just a brilliant jab power with his straight uh, coming behind it switches stances a lot you need to switch stances i think as well against habib just to take away you know habib attacks front legs uh, a, a lot of the time attacks single legs and pushes you against the cage uh, as i said to get the the fight to the cage to get takedowns uh, if you're taken away that you know that front leg for Habib is the bullseye. You know, he's going for that all the time. If you move that bullseye around, it's harder for him to time it. It's harder for him to know where to attack. So if you're changing stances all the time like Poria does, that's good. Also, that's why I say you need to push Habib back. Because if you're pushing Habib back and you're moving, it's harder for him to attack. It's more reactionary uh, than anything. And Habib is, he's definitely a reactionary fighter. But he is a kind of one, you know, we, we said all the time, Habib runs around the octagon after you. is, is going looking for that takedown. Uh, so I think that's the best way to, to to do it against him but for Poria then I suppose the negatives are you know he opens up a lot if he hurts you if he hits you once he will open up and he'll look for the finish and you know that that'll lead to a Habib takedown more than likely if that happens if Habib's not badly hurt we saw it in the McGregor fight when uh he when McGregor when he hit McGregor and almost knocked him out well knocked him down anyway maybe not almost knocked him out it kind of got into a firefight there and what happened Habib came underneath and took him down so that's where Habib is dangerous like and you know we, we, we can talk about Habib's plus points and stuff in a second more but what do you think of, of Poria do you think like that's a fair assessment that if he pushes forward and you know stops the takedown that he'll have a great chance against Habib yeah, I think I think that is the way to do it, but I, I do understand why people don't do it. It's like you're playing into his game, nearly. Um, in your mind, you don't want to push forward because you know he's just trying to get a hold of you. But most of his takedowns are against the cage, so you just got to make sure you don't get against the cage. You got to, you got to. If you're not going to move forward all the time, if when you're not moving forward, you got to be circling and making sure making sure you're not on the cage. Um, you just got to be a moving target all the time knock if, if you stop he's gonna he's gonna push up against the cage and try and take you down and maybe he'll fail with the first two three attempts but he'll chain a bunch of or take downs together until he gets you down and once you get you down we, we all know what happens mm-hmm. yeah 100 that's the thing as well with habib it's the fact and i'll talk about when he gets on the ground in a second but it's the fact that he can chain them all together and he never really lets go and never lets up you know watching a bit of the the uh <clears throat> half fight like you can brilli- you can brilliantly defend like three or four or five yeah. in a row and then he but he'll just keep doing it keep doing it keep doing it and eventually Maybe you didn't train for this one, or it's just a little off balance from the last eight ten attempt, or mm-hmm. you know, and then he just he, he's just relentless, basically. Yeah, he is. He really is relentless. You know, watching the Rafael dos Anjos fight, that that's really you know the first kind of major guy that he fought, and he was so relentless against him. He's just kept doing it over and over, and he's improved and doing different things. Like a lot, even that T Bow fight, you know, we talk about it a lot and see how his takedowns can be stopped. But he's changed up his takedowns an awful lot since then as well, and he's a lot more kind of. Um, in the middle of the cage, you, you know, trying to take lads down with single legs and double legs, but then pushing them against the cage and then working, uh, as you said, you know, even if you stop it, he'll chain it onto the next one and keep going and keep going and keep going. And you'll almost push you around the octagon trying to take you down. Uh, and, like, that's that's grand, but you have to, if you're Dustin Poirier as well, and you're thinking, how do I beat Habib? I think you should be looking at the new scoring system as well. Because if the new scoring system 
does anything, it actually hurts Habib. Because if you can stop the takedown of Habib and just be like ultra, ultra, ultra defensive, don't even try to turn around. Just try to hold Habib up, try, you know, get that overhook, pull him up, control the wrist on the other side. Be, you know, wait to get broken even. Wait for the referee to break you. You're winning that because Habib's not scoring for that, you know, pushing lead against the fence for a minute and a half or two minutes or whatever. And when you get back to defeat, you know, you're going to have a good chance of landing a few strikes against Habib and winning that round. So if you stop the takedown, like, and I'm not saying just takedowns win rounds, please. Yeah, well, that, like, that's Gleason Tebow fight. Like, mm-hmm. a lot of people, including me, thought that he lost uh, that fight. Uh, but even with the new scoring, I think he would have lost that fight even, even clearer. Uh, Habib, yeah, oh, definitely, yeah. Yeah, like, 100%. what was it, like, 22, 24 failed takedowns? Yeah. No successful takedowns? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know how he won that fight in the judges' scorecard, but even more so now with the new with the new rule set, I think he, he, he would have lost that fight. So, I know that's a long time ago, but that's kind of the, the only blueprint that's out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but uh, I suppose before we get into maybe the... the I, I've heard a couple more things to say, but Habib as well, you know, on the plus points of Habib, his takedowns are unbelievable. As we said, t- talking about chain and takedowns, and you know, it's very unlikely that he'll fight this fight without taking Poria down. Even if Poria fights the perfect fight, he's probably going to get taken down at some stage. And when he gets to the ground, he's just he's an absolute demon. It's all shoulder pressure and hip pressure with Habib. He uses the shoulder pressure basically to get his opponent down on the ground, then kind of turns around to the hip pressure where he just pushes him down with his hips and then attacks with his upper body, you know, big elbows, big shots. Uh, his best position is half guard. Uh, even when sometimes when he gets into side control, when he gets into the mount, he's not as good as he has from, <clears throat> from half guard. He's a, a brutal ground and pound artist, even from the yeah. guard against well, McGregor. Well, like, you know, it's a very much more dominant position, but it's a less safe position for yeah. people to explode out of. Like mm-hmm. as well, Yeah, and that's why I talk about the hips, because his hips... Like, push down on your, push down on your leg and hold it there. He almost has a lockdown on the leg at times as well. And just, you know, destroys you from there. Uh, so, like, if, if Habib gets it to the ground. And, um, you know, another thing as well that you can't rule out. And this was kind of a thing that, you know, seeing ways for Poirier to win. And when you're talking about on the feed as well, you know, you have to give Habib credit. I don't think, I think we underestimate Habib an awful lot on the feed. I think his striking is a lot better than than we give him credit for. Now, he gets very close with shots sometimes. Sometimes he overthrows his shots and he can, he's definitely there to be caught in the counter. I wouldn't, if I was Habib's coach, I wouldn't tell, be telling him to strike with Poria all the time. But he's, yeah. Ja- I think it's improved a lot from the, the beginning. Like, you know, I think people also, when somebody's so dominant in one area, they just assume that you're worse than maybe you are in other areas mm-hmm. um maybe that's historical because in the past people were kind of one-dimensional or or two-dimensional not like multi-dimensional like they are now. they all are now at the top level mm-hmm. so uh, obviously um it's striking like you know if, if he's going out there fresh with, with Parier about on the feet and it's a kickboxing match I'm backing Parier to win that but mm-hmm. with the threat of takedowns alone it changes it and with takedowns and the damage he's, he's probably going to do when he gets if he gets takedowns mm-hmm. when or if he gets takedowns it, it changes the striking as well yeah 100% and I suppose on the ground then you, you know you think about on the feet um, Parier is going to dominate but you'd give Habib a chance you know he knocked McGregor down him with a big shot you you know it's always open uh, and then on the ground I suppose you think Habib will dominate but you, you can't forget Parier when he came into the UFC especially he was a, very much a submission artist you know he got lots of I think he got a couple of Peruvian neckties and darts chokes and stuff and guillotines he almost guillotined uh, Eddie Alvarez there two fights ago he kind of gave up the takedown to go for the guillotine which is something I suppose I wouldn't uh, suggest against Habib but if he does get taken down 
down and if he's in a position where okay I'm getting taken down going for the guillotine or going for the Darshok mightn't be the, the worst option at all even if to just defend against Tabib strikes and not let him get the half guard so like I wouldn't at all rule out a submission uh, win for Poria because if we've seen anything we've seen that Poria will go for submissions he, he has no problem you know defending on the ground if he doesn't get the submission afterwards now against Tabib as I mentioned it'll be it'll be a little bit tougher but uh, that's something I definitely wouldn't rule out you know if I wasn't watching the fight and I woke up uh, Sunday morning or actually during the day if, uh, you know but uh, if I'm American and I decide to sleep in and I come up and watch the fight and I saw uh, it's a uh, Poria that won by submission I wouldn't at all be that shocked I suppose but one thing I want to um, I want to talk about as well before we kind of move on because we obviously we've talked uh, a lot about this fight. What do you think about the notion that, and I suppose maybe it's only my notion, but Habib has never really been in like a tough dog fight that most of his fights have been, you know, cakewalks for uh, you know. Okay, take away the the Tebow fight, take away you know the one round against McGregor, take away the kind of the end against. Uh, uh, Justin or against um, Aloy Quinta the, the last couple of rounds where you know e- even in those you know McGregor didn't really land that many big shots he was kind of tired his oh, power was gone uh, yeah. what, what did I say? McGregor McGregor yeah. no yeah, yeah, no, McGregor, yeah. When McGregor, like, in, uh, in that third round... Oh, I thought you were talking about Oya Quinta. No, yeah, in, yeah. in the third round, McGregor didn't land that really that many hard strikes. Habib landed a couple of hard strikes himself, but, like, there wasn't really... He's never been dragged into a war where, say, like, Adesanya against uh, Gaslam in the last fight. We've never really seen him in that big war, but then he gets into it against Adesanya, or against Gaslam. I was like, okay, that's proven now. We, he proved he can go through that war in an even fight like that and come out and still win it. What if this happens to Habib? What if, you know, let's say Habib gets uh, a few takedowns in the first round, Poirier survives and comes out and beats him in the second round, maybe knocks him down, wins that second round, comes out in the third and is winning it as well, and, you know, maybe he's gone into the championship rounds, Poirier's up. Like, how does Habib react to that? that isn't that, that's a big thing as well, isn't it? You know, you talk about a lot, I remember you used to talk about McGregor kind of under the big lights and under the big pressure. Like, Habib under that pressure, okay, he was under big pressure against McGregor, but he dominated that fight from literally 10 10 seconds in well, how do you think Habib will react to it being like a war like that if it, if it does materialise it's hard to know because like the last time it kind of didn't go his way it was a long long uh, many years ago against Tebow and although he got the decision we mentioned many times that we we thought he lost so it's that's it's so long ago that it's hard to use that he's a different fighter now like and um, Poirier and all the people that he's likely to be fighting uh, in the near future aren't really like Glazen Tebow, this like huge, strong, like upper body. <laughs> like it's hard if that guy locks onto you. It's hard. It's hard to move move him. But um, yeah, it's hard to know. But I think he has like you know he's had the crowd kind of going mad when Michael Johnson was kind of landing a couple of half punches on him, and he managed to to weather that storm. He weathered a storm against McGregor. In the third round, um, under under a lot of pressure, but you know it, the crowd and everybody loves an underdog story. So if Poirier does start landing big punches and knocks him down, they'll probably be cheering for Poirier, and the noise will be big in there. But I, I think Khabib's, you know, he's been around and he's the kind of guy that I don't think it'll it'll affect him too much. So, but like you know, if you if you if you get your head scrambled by a punch, um. It changes everything. Mm-hmm. So, what's your big for the fight? How do you think it'll go? I think I think Poirier will have so, a little bit of success, but I think I think Habib will do, will just do enough damage in the the first eight ten or two to to take the pop out of uh, of Poirier, um, and probably 
either TKO him or submit him third, fourth, fifth round I mean, late in the fight. I, I'm a big believer in Poria. I, like, I picked him to be Max Holloway, and he went out and he did it. And his ability to produce that sort of game plan in a great fight. And I, Okay, it's a lot easier fight than, than very Herbie. Different style, very yeah. different style. But I think he showed that he can produce what he produced in that fight. And if he can do it again, he has the beating of Habib. He can beat him. I'm just very unsure. I don't know. Maybe I'll leave my pick for the vetting podcast that I will do later in the week. But I don't know. There's a tendency sometimes as well to, for me anyway, to, to kind of to overanalyze and to look at what he can do rather than what he's going to do. You know, he did pull guard against Eddie Alvarez. You know, he did get taken down in that fight. He did almost get submitted in that fight as well. Okay, he came back and won, I suppose. The 12-6 to elbow maybe saved him a little bit as well. Um, but I don't know. I just have a feeling. I have, Maybe I have, a, I have that. You I feel have it in your waters. I feel in my waters. I, I feel like Dustin Poirier might be my pick, but... I suppose we'll we'll wait and see on, on that one. Um, the rest, yeah, of the and card, you, like if yeah, if the rounds are uh, if the rounds are close and Habib is getting hit with some some decent punches, uh, I think the the crowd and the, the the judges like usually are hypercritical of dominant champions that are expected to win rounds, mm-hmm. are expected to win fights and win rounds comfortably. Like we talk about it all the time, like uh, Anderson Silva, people like that. Demetrius Johnson, Henry yeah. Silva, yeah. even Conor McGregor, like that Mendez first round. Like I was pretty much the only person after that round thinking McGregor won that round. Well, uh, you are the biggest shill of all time as well. Uh, yeah, well, like people were like, oh, "Of course you think that and stuff." Like you know, mm-hmm. uh, that's what Ariel said. But I think if you go back and look at it now, I think it's pretty clear that like if the exact bodies were the opposite way around, doing the exact things they were doing, I think it's pretty clear that McGregor won that round. Yeah. Like, uh, but anyway, like you know, and I'm pretty sure it's clear that Anderson won rounds against that he looked at, was given that he didn't win against Maya, for yeah. example. John you Jones I mean? as well. Yeah. yeah, you know, you just these guys are held to a higher standard in rounds by the public subconsciously and maybe by the judges subconsciously as well. So, so like, yeah, if 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 Poirier can keep these rounds really close, he, he could be walking away with a decision here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you do the judges a little bit of injustice these days. Well, there's some bad, like the, the Sinead Kavanagh, Leslie Smith fight and stuff. Oh, uh, there were Cheryl Wankers. Especially Ben Garland. He's awesome. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. Uh, other fights on this card. Uh, we, we'll get to the comment of it in a second. But Curtis Blades is fighting my boy Shami. Uh, Isla Makachev versus Davi Ramos, which would be an insane fight. Uh, Marbek uh, Tysimov is fighting Diego Fejea. Uh, Joanne Calderwood and Drea Lee uh, Zabihira Tehugov is fighting as well. is, that's the lad who punched McGregor isn't it how is he still in the UFC like I think that's that's ridiculous like to, to jump a cage and punch someone in the back of the head and still be fighting in the UFC absolutely they'll probably, be, they'll probably be running that in the promos yeah they probably will uh, Bilal Mohammed is back as well he's looked really good recently Nardine Taleb uh, and a few more lads as well but the comment of in Paul Felder versus uh, Edson Barboza I spoke to um the the uh, strength and conditioning coach for uh, Poria and Edson Barboza there a, co- uh, a couple of days ago. Uh, you can listen to that on Patreon. It's actually up for free as well. So, uh, but he, you know, he was talking about Edson Barboza, and I kind of said it to him. It was kind of a hard question to ask. I was like, "But what's the crack with Edson Barboza when he throws so many shots and he doesn't get tired and stuff?" <laughs> he's like, "Oh, he's kind of changing up." Uh, or he he does get tired. Sorry, and he's like, "Oh, he's changing up his game. He's fighting a bit differently and stuff." And watching their first fight kind of after I did that interview and looking at Felder and looking at Barboza you look at Felder and you'd say oh he's someone who has definitely progressed he's not throwing these spinning back fists like mad anymore you know addicted to throwing them and Barboza is maybe someone who's a little bit regressed he maybe doesn't have that 
that unbelievable pop anymore. He doesn't have that that special aura he he used to have anymore. But he's also moved camp now, and you know you, everyone knows my feelings on uh, on Mark Henry, and, and I'm not talking about the WWE wrestler. Uh, and you know he that that fight against Dan oh, Hooker, pizza guy, yeah. <laughs> the pizza guy, that fight against Dan Hooker, uh, he he looked very good in him as well. So. It's to me like looking at this fight. If I was to look at it six months ago before he maybe moved, I would have said, you know, I probably fancy Felder at this stage, but I feel like it might be a very, very good and even fight. Like it's this is violence written all over, really, hasn't it? It's, it's going to be a mad back and forth. Yeah, Felder's but like I know he lost a split decision there to Mike Perry two fights ago, but he's he, he's looked very, very good against Vic and Oliveira, uh, who are very good, very good guys. Like Oliveira, obviously, um. Uh, that was a couple of years ago now, but that was that was a great win for him. Uh, very dangerous guy, uh, especially uh, on the ground, but also he's long and he's good on the feet. And James Vick is another guy who's long and good on the on the feet uh, as well. So um, I probably I probably lean towards Barboza, but I'm very unsure about this one. Like uh, when Felder puts it together, he can, he can be really really good, but sometimes he he doesn't put it together. Yeah, yeah, uh, it's another one you, I'm you, sure about. You, you talk to you talk to the insiders, the people closest to uh, to Barboza. What, did you not get on to Noel McGrath about? Uh... Well, Mark Henry, sorry, I should have got, I should have okay, got, about Paul Felder. <laughs> oh, but Paul Felder, oh, sorry, I thought you were going for Everybody's Mark Henry. Everybody's missed that one, <laughs> Shit, sorry, sorry, yeah. I should have got on to uh, Paul Felder's media coach, Niall McGrath, <laughs> to talk about uh, His best mate. To talk about his best mate. Close personal friends. Who's better best mates, me with Dustin Poirier or uh, Niall with uh, Paul Felder? Uh, definitely Niall and Paul. Ah, fuck's sake. Dustin, you need to, you need to come on a bit. Uh, yeah, but it, it is true, yeah. I'm looking forward to that fight. Like, I, f- I feel like picking Felder, but I don't know. It's just one of those fights that I'm, I want to look forward to. It's that's it's really one you're fight. Fe- you're feeling the kind of the upsets. Yeah, maybe. Is it an upset? I suppose it is. Uh, I don't know what Bucky's was, but yeah. I think it would be an upset if Felder won. Yeah, maybe. No? I, I just think, it, I think it's a fight you sit back and you watch and you enjoy. I, like, this is a fight that's impossible to predict, I think. I think someone will get hurt badly at one stage and, you know, maybe it'll go to a decision or something. But, you know, a one big shot, I think, will change this fight, whether it's a knockout or whether it's, you know, hurting the fella so bad that he can't really recover and he loses the next round or whatever. So It's yeah. probably be a, uh, like, I'm seeing, like, a pretty close fight here, like, decision. Um, mm-hmm. Could be. Yeah, I think Barboza like might be able to do enough. Just kind of on his bike on the outside, landing leg kicks and flurries. But Felder, he, if he puts it together, as I said, he, he's very, very good. I just, I just checked the odds there, and it's very close. But, but Barboza is a slight favorite. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, let's move on. So, um, before we get to the Bellator card, there's obviously uh, a big Cage Warriors unplugged card as well, uh, coming live from the BT studios, and that's going to be on just before uh, the UFC card. So, it's on at 1 p.m. Eastern time, which is what, like, is that 8 a.m.? That's very early, uh, but yeah, we'll confirm that anyway. But I, I think that's it, that's what it says <coughs> here. Sorry, on topology. Uh, but there's a lot of Irish interest uh, on this card. Uh, Decky McAleen is fighting Tom Mearns. Uh, Joe McColgan is fighting uh, Mehdi Bin Ladder. You, you, yeah, you but, said Bellator, it's Cage Warriors. Cage Warriors. Did I, I'm gone very bad for doing that. Uh, last time when I was doing the True Balls podcast, I called JJ Graham as well. And he was like, what the fuck are you doing calling me Graham? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I'm gone. Okay, yeah, Cage Warriors, sorry. Cage Warriors unplugged. Uh, so Joe, Joe McColgan as well coming back here fighting Mehdi Bin Ladder. He's the guy uh, who, you know, top prospect when he's, he's four know and won his last two by KO we know how good Joe McCulligan is he's a guy who's you know maybe had a bad kind of 
run of luck. He won his last fight against Aldo Cirillo and lost to Jai Herbert before that. You know, he's a win over Peter Coeli as well in his second fight and Tom Hogan, uh, who was a top prospect at that stage. I think he was, was he, did he win Irish uh, Amateur of the Year, I think, at one stage maybe or something, or he was, he was close. I don't know mm, everyone was talking about him. Uh, but he was a, a very good fighter and, and, you know, he beat him as well. So it's 5-2 if he could win this. You know, Joe McColgan is, is very good. So that's a, that's a big fight for him. Uh, we also I have... Think he's, yeah, he's already 5-2. and two. This will be 6-2 and two if he can win. Two, yeah so yeah that'll be a big win for him but that's a that's a very tough fight as well uh craig white is back on this card as well after fighting in in the ufc we have the uh, the tournament with josh reed scott malone and a couple more lads in that as well that should be fun so that's a one-night tournament uh, and we also have ian gary uh, against martin harris obviously ian gary probably the the top you know prospect with with one fight coming out uh of, of the amateur ranks at the moment martin harris is a, is a guy though who has a lot of experience you know he's four and five uh he fought uh nathan jones and he's last fight went out straight away and took him down immediately uh but ended up losing that fight uh a few losses by submission and stuff but he's he's good takedowns he's a, a kind of a wild striker when he gets inside but uh you, you'd have to fancy ian gary in this fight looking forward to this one as well graham yeah yeah i'm always interested in uh ian gary like you've been you've been hyping him up putting pressure on him uh <laughs> my bad <laughs> yeah no but uh obviously he has a very good uh record in amateur um I think his only loss was a split decision um, yeah. a couple of years ago now. Uh, and he's obviously made a very successful, uh, impressive uh, debut in Cage Warriors uh, with beating James Sheehan, who's also an experienced amateur. But uh, this is definitely a step up against, you mentioned, like a guy with nine fights, fought some good guys, like some experienced guys. And uh, you look at his record and you, maybe there's a bit of a, maybe the, Looking at records sometimes is a bit it can be a bit of a mm-hmm. give you a false impression, but maybe there's a bit of a jujitsu weakness there that that Gary could exploit. But uh, I'm looking to see. Um, I'm interested to see how he looks. Uh, it's early days with these guys. Like uh, <laughs> you don't expect him to be the finished product, but Ian Gary does look very well rounded already. Mm-hmm. So I'm yeah. interested to see if 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 this guy can pose him any any problems and or point out any any things he needs to improve yeah I, th- I think that James Sheehan fight was a big learning fight for him and, and James Sheehan as well James Sheehan did, did pretty well after being knocked down after like 10 seconds of that fight to come back and get the decision with someone as good as Ian Gary was a, was a big thing as well so two big prospects for but for Ian Gary I think like the fact that he had maybe a bit of an adrenaline dump and he's pro debut and coming out and almost getting the finish and then you know that uh, you know having to go fifth you know 14 more minutes or whatever it is um is a big learning experience and something that's really invaluable and I think he will bring into this fight and it'll serve him in good stead. Uh, I, I feel like he'll, he'll finish this one maybe a little bit quicker and he'll get uh, he'll get Martin Harris out of there. But, yeah, you know, you'd never know someone, as you said, with so much experience and, uh, you know, okay, he's four and five, but, you know, against someone who's one and all, that can always be a tricky fight for the lad who's one and all just because you're a bit more worldly wise. But yeah, I'd expect uh, I'd expect Ian. But like you know, he has a uh, he has a obviously this is what five years ago, but he has a win over Alex Lahore uh, mm. at amateur. Yeah. Uh, he he fought Alex Lahore again and and lost a pro, but uh, you know he's fought some decent guys. He's been there with Lahore twice. He's been there with Hacken Foss, Steve O'Keefe, mm-hmm. Nathan Jones. You know so. Uh, He's definitely, he's definitely uh, will bring something probably that uh, a lot more experience than Ian Gary's ever had. But I, I do think Ian Gary is is very well rounded from what I've seen and should should have more than enough here. Yeah. 
Definitely. Uh, right, let's talk about this uh, Bellator 226 uh, card. Obviously, Ryan Bader against Czech Congo, but there's some Irish interest as well on the undercard. This was uh, Pedro Carvalho fighting out of SPG. Uh, is fighting Sam Cecilia, who we, we know from the Ultimate Fighter. He's been around the UFC for a long time. A guy who hits pretty hard, but Pedro's a, a pretty well-rounded guy, and you know to get into this uh, this tournament, he's done uh, pretty well. Beat Derek Campos, uh, beat Daniel Crawford, and a few more guys as well. Before that. Oh, you know, Pedro's uh, been around for a good while, hasn't he? He's a, a good fighter, fought in a couple of cage legacy fights and stuff as well. So it's nice to see someone from kind of that new scene maybe coming coming through and and uh, getting onto kind of the big stage and fighting in, in big a big tournament like this. Yeah, he's on a five fight win streak, and as you mentioned, Daniel Crawford, you know, he's a big prospect, and he 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 went in there and won won a split decision over him. And in a tough fight, and Derek Campos obviously as well. Like that, that was another big win for him. So he's definitely on the up. And and Sam Cecilia, like you know, he's a former UFC fighter. He's a known name. He's an experienced guy. Um, like Pedro Carvalho is obviously it's not the same thing as Ian Gary, where he hasn't fought experienced guys. He has fought experienced mm-hmm. guys, but but Sam Cecilia hits hard as well. So you got to watch out for that. But uh. I think I think Carvalho should have enough here. He, he he's a very difficult fighter to fight against. I think. Yeah, I agree. I I, I think Sam Cecilia is a, a good fighter and he has that that big big shot. But yeah, I think Pedro Carvalho is just a little bit better and I think he'll he'll win that fight. Um, Emmanuel Sanchez versus Taiwan Claxton as well in this card. Uh, Adam Barrocks, who's obviously a top prospect, and he's taking a step up here uh, against Pat Corn. He's uh, obviously beat Aaron Pico in his last fight. He's thirteen and all, uh, so he's you know a guy that. You know, kid or uh, Bellator. I almost call them cage warriors. Bellator are are <laughs> building uh, behind. So you know, I'm looking forward to seeing that one. If he can get that win, you're probably talking about a featherweight title shot. So looking forward to seeing that. Daniel Strauss then uh, is uh, taking on Derek Campos uh, in the uh, in the co-main event uh, and uh, Ryan Bader versus Czech Congo. How how do you see that Bader and Congo fight going? Uh, um, I see some like. <laughs> Low blows and <laughs> eye pokes and ball shots. Yeah. Lots of ball shots. Uh, but I see Bader dominating, I think, uh, everywhere. Uh, Congo has a way, though, of dragging people into these mm. terrible, sloppy, boring, messy fights. Uh, but I, I think Bader is is a much better fighter than Congo is at this stage and Congo ever was. And Congo's not at, not at the level that he used to be. And he definitely he definitely poses some problems for, for anybody and... People hit very hard, including Congo, still at heavyweight. But I think Bader's just better everywhere. Yeah, like I think Bader's wrestling is too good for Congo to lay on top of him for five rounds. Um, and I think Bader's striking is good as well. I don't think he's going to get knocked out by Congo. You know, he's been knocked out before Leo Machida knocked him out, and you know Tito Ortiz submitted him as well. But I think he's a very different fighter now. I think he's a, yeah. a really, really in the good Machida fighter. fight. I think he got frustrated, but yeah, he did, yeah. and he rushed, rushed in, in, and, and I think he learned his lesson pretty brutally there. Yeah, he did, in fairness, yeah. So I, I'd expect Ryan Bader to win this one pretty, pretty convincingly. And for I suppose if you're a fan watching this and you want an exciting fight, you're probably hoping Ryan Bader wins it because if Czech Congo wins it, it's probably not going to be pretty unless you know unless it's a Pat Barry counter. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So. Isn't it funny? Like, Czech Congo is known as like a boring fighter, but he's also 
in one of the most exciting fights of all time, or one of the most exciting like minutes in in the Crazy. history of him. Yeah. It's like Brock Lesnar as well. He's known for like can't, can't take a punch and you know gets punched once and he's over. But he he's also known for like one of the greatest comebacks in UFC history after getting smashed against Shane Carwin, like after being almost fucking battered against the cage. But it's it's weird the, the way these things work. Uh, these things happen in MMA, I suppose. Graham. Um, right before we uh, before we move on and hand it over to Shawnee to talk about UFC China, a couple more things. Uh, the UFC trial is happening uh, at the moment and I suppose you know, we wouldn't be the best ones to talk about that but you know Paul Gift and uh, Hey Not The Face over on Twitter John Nash would be the best lads to talk about it but a few interesting things I suppose came out of it uh, that the UFC are trying to keep their pay scale around 20% uh, and it used to be like 26% and they've got it down and the big thing was that um they wanted to kind of keep it down when they were selling it and stuff. So around 20%, which compared to sports leagues and sports teams and stuff as well, is not that high. Uh, they had someone come on and say, like, per minute, our athletes are like some of the most well-played athletes in the world, which is the stupidest thing ever, considering <laughs> they do it like three times a year for 15 to 25 minutes. Uh, and like, you, just, you might as well say, you know, Usain Bolt is one of the most facts, well-played. Facts, John. <laughs> stupid, like, it's all... Discarding it's so, facts. Yeah, it's so, Fake news. It's so terrible. Stupid, this is what's wrong with the media, discarding facts. That's true. Stone cold facts. Uh, yeah, but uh, th- this this trial <laughs> yeah, feels fucking, like it's, it's just yeah. going to lead to kind of another trial if it does go further. And it looks like it is going to go further. But uh, I suppose keep an eye on the, on the lads over on Twitter to see where it goes. You know, maybe uh, it'll be working one of them on and when if it does progress in, in a certain amount of time because we don't really have a clue. But you're there anyway. We mentioned it. Um, Darren Till versus Kelvin Gastelum. What were your initial thoughts when that fight was made? Yeah, I was surprised. Um, but the more you think about it, I suppose it does make sense. Uh, Till is kind of one of the bigger names that they have, even still uh, in that division or around that division, those two divisions. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I suppose like if he can go in there and beat Gaslam, the the hype train's back on. So I suppose they're not really building them back up, but like we kind of talked about. But yeah, Gaslam's a very dangerous fighter. Um. Well rounded, has improved on the feet a lot. Uh, seems to be taking fights seriously now, not turning up like having these horrendous weight cuts and all that stuff. So yeah, I think it's a really t- tough fight for Darren Till, but Darren Till is also a very dangerous fighter as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like the fight actually. The more I think about it, yeah, I like the fight, but I don't like the fight right now. You know, the the super welterweight championship of the world. I, I just. I feel like Darren Till needs to be saved from himself. You know, he's one of those lads that needs a few easier fights. He needs to build his way back up. Like, Darren Till wants to be a champion right now, and there's that's it. But Darren Till should be thinking about my future. He should be thinking about, I want to go in and I want to... You know, I'm not saying give him someone easy. Give me, you know, Uriah Hall or someone like that. Someone who's ranked and, and get him a win. And didn't give him a Gaslam or, you know, give, give him someone maybe top 10 in the ranking then then I guess there's no there's no rush he's very young moving to a new division look I like the way he's moving to middleweight I think he is a middleweight I think he's way too big for for a welterweight and he, cutting that weight definitely harmed and he's probably thinking you know that weight harmed me I'd be able to take those shots uh, at a bigger division I've no problem I'll go in and I'll beat Gaslam but that's not always the way it works yeah well that weight cut was uh, done like the video that came out I think it was Party Power video came out that came out was almost taken down they did they didn't do the weight cut the best so it didn't look the most scientific or whatever. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm no weight cutting expert, but that didn't look good. I am now, but. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 but uh, I think that would definitely affect you in a in a fight. But I think if you think that's gonna solve all the problems, 
you'd be short-sighted. Yeah, that is true. Uh, right, a couple more things. Paige Van Zandt was on uh, Ariel's show this week, uh, and she said she was talking about basically on the last fight of her UFC contract, uh, and that they undervalue her and all. Then Dana White was asked about it, uh, and you know she she basically said that. Um, she earns more from Instagram posts than she does from fighting in the UFC and then I was like fair enough you know keep doing your Instagram posts and stuff uh, and this is one where normally I'd be 100% behind the fighter uh, but I understand mm. where the UFC are coming from like there's there's a couple, there's three different values here right there is the value that the UFC want to pay you which is always going to be low there's the value that you expect and that you're probably uh worked in your mind considering what you get from other projects and then there's the market value what you're what you're actually worth in terms of what people are going to pay you and i think for Paige van zandt that's significantly lower than what she would expect and what she probably uh should be fighting for like Paige van zandt's probably a person who who shouldn't be fighting if she wants well, it- to get her full value what do you think? Yeah, well, well, well like the, from the UC's perspective, they're, they're thinking, oh, we pushed her for a couple of years, gave her these main events or whatever, uh, and it didn't really work. Mm-hmm. You know, she didn't become this star like anywhere near Ronda Rousey or, or anywhere near that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they, they're probably like, you know, there's also the side of it where if you're not a UFC fighter, if you're just a some random organization fighter, are you getting as much for your UFC or for your Instagram posts? Mm-hmm. That's and it. And are you actually putting bums on seats and selling tickets and selling pay-per-views? No, not really. Yeah. So, I, like, and you come out saying things like this to create headlines and you know how Dana is. He gets mm-hmm. defensive and takes a stand and it probably wasn't a wise thing to do by Paige, I don't think. Yeah. <laughs> like, if you're looking at this from the UFC's she's point of view... happy enough to just leave the UFC, then fair enough. But if yeah. she wants to get yeah. a better contract in the UFC, then I don't think that it was the best way to go about it. Yeah, I, I don't think... Like, even if she does go to Bellator or somewhere else, I don't think she's going to get the amount of money. Like, it, this has always been the case. And, like, when you're talking about Paige Van Zandt, you have to talk about the, the reality of it as well. You know, she's dancing with the stars. She's a star, you know, obviously a very, very good-looking girl doing modeling and stuff like that. And that's where you earn money on Instagram. You know, you've looked at it down through the years, you know, with, say, Anna Karnikova in tennis. She was never the most, uh, never the most talented tennis player. And obviously probably earned a lot more money outside of tennis than she did uh, in tennis. But when her tennis career stopped, did it did it carry on? Did she still keep earning all that money? Like, that's what I'd be thinking if I was Paige Van Zandt. If I went to Bellator, would I be earning more from my Instagram as I am now? Like, for Paige Van... If I was Paige Van Zandt, which, you know, is <laughs> hard to, I suppose, think, but... Um, if you're in her position, you're probably thinking, okay, I want to get as much as I can from the UFC, but I also don't want to leave the UFC because I probably won't get as much as I can from other things if I'm not in the UFC. Yeah, you know, but she also opens up, I suppose, sponsors in Bellator that you can't have yeah. in the UFC with Reebok, but I don't know. Maybe she's had big offers and she thinks my value is just because if I go fight in Bellator, I'm, I've am i been offered this five-fight sponsor or whatever. You know, maybe maybe there is logic behind what she's saying. Yeah, maybe there is, yeah, and I'm, I'm sure there is, but... May- like is her stardom dependent on the ufc if it's not she probably is better off going to, to i think Bellator. it definitely helps her mm-hmm. her star power uh, being in the ufc definitely yeah. yeah i think it's definitely an interesting debate because like we can't conflate um value outside value on instagram value in sponsorship to value inside the cage because as you said putting booms and seats and this is you know the ufc can afford to pay 
Paige Van Zandt 10 million a fight don't get me wrong but when you're looking at it from their point of view and what they're actually going to to pay her okay she should be well paid she should be one of the most well paid people uh, in in uh, MMA apart from you know McGregor and Jones and whatever probably the, you know is there someone who's not a champion that should be as well paid as her for what she brings in? Probably a couple, but not many. Like yeah, she, few, does, uh, yeah. she does not bring in many. viewers. She does bring in, uh, you know, a lot of people on Instagram, a lot of advertising and stuff like that. So she deserves to be paid well. That's not what I'm saying at all. But I don't know if they are ever going to pay her what she, uh, her value of you know, the the value that she has on herself, which, you know, she should have high value of herself. I'm not saying anything against her, but if you're being realistic about it, she's not bringing in enough to pay the millions and millions and millions for a fight. So, you know, we'll see how that works out, I suppose. Like, I think Paige has improved over the last while. Injuries have hurt her and stuff as well. As a pure fighter, you know, we're, what we talked about the last few minutes there is not just fighting, but as a pure fighter, I want to see Paige still in the UFC. I don't think she'll ever be a champion or anything like that, but she's very, very tough, very, very good fighter improving, so I'd, I want to see her uh, continue, so hopefully... Uh, Hopefully she will. Um, and last thing, uh, no, two two more things here. One, one uh, Anthony Rumble Johnson said he's coming out of retirement, wants to fight at heavyweight uh, next year. Hashtag MMA retirement. So you looking forward to seeing Rumble back? Yeah, I, I always like Rumble fights, <laughs> even back in his welterweight days. Um, yeah, uh, MMA retirements. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Who indeed. would have known? Who do you want to see him fight? Ooh, Derek Lewis. Uh, How about it? <laughs> Who'll be fatter? Jeez, Rumble's not fat. Rumble's fucking jacked as I'd, fuck. I'd say now he's he, now that he's been out of the game for a while. No, but have you seen him? Like he's like a, a bodybuilder. He's like three hundred pounds of pure fucking muscle. He's like fucking Martin Ford going going around the place. <laughs> he's insane. Like he's when's he back into your saddle pool? Uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Probably give him a couple of months before he's back in there to to, to get uh, to get tested. We'll say that and let him alone. He's grand. Uh, and last thing then, I suppose, on attended on a kind of a sad note before I send away to myself. BJ Pin. Um, he that video emerged of him yeah uh, a couple of days ago where he was the, the first video I suppose that emerged was him on top of a lad just beating his head in and then a second video emerged of him getting sparked by what I think is the same lad the the story goes that he your man was like hassling him uh, and BJ Pin was like come on hit me hit me and then he came up and hit him and knocked him out and then BJ like went after him and just beat the shit out of him but you know we, we talked about McGregor in the last couple of weeks and you know the, the kind of the way he's uh, gone and he said it himself in that interview with, with Ariel that he needs to avoid these situations stop being baited and I feel like BJ Pin is the, is the same way he just needs to stop that shit like he's a you know a 40 year old man now what's he doing out at fucking club drinking and stuff uh, and uh, being alone himself to be in that position to be baited by lads and he should never be acting that way anyway you know there's, there's, there's no standing up for him but he needs to be smart enough to avoid that situation but what you, what did you think of that when you saw this video it's just kind of the latest in the line of all yeah. the BJ Penn incidents isn't it yeah it's, it's, BJ Penn's like from such a promising brilliant career it's kind of like an MMA <laughs> it always goes pear-shaped uh, spectacularly mm-hmm. uh, well nearly always so um, it's not that unexpected it's uh, uh, <sighs> yeah it's just sad a bit sad the whole BJ Penn thing not just this yeah, like I put up a post and I put it up off and then White in 2013 said I don't want to make that money anymore out of BJ Penn and you know he still booked another fight against Nick Lynn so whether that fight happens or not I hopefully it doesn't after BJ Penn got fucking knocked out cold so you know it's it's very sad I like it feels like BJ Penn for a long time we said okay we, we don't mind BJ Penn fighting but maybe we don't mind but you know what I mean we we don't mind him fighting because when he's fighting he's he 
you know, it gives him something to look forward to. If BJ Penn wasn't fighting, he'd be going mad. And the t- But the problem is now that he is fighting and this is still happening. So you can't blame it on him not fighting and him being retired. So there's a bigger problem there. I think BJ Penn needs to, you know, sort out with himself. And it's always hard. How does he sort him out? I'm obviously not an expert in that. But uh, hopefully he does, you know, sort himself out and get his head right and stop getting himself in these positions and fucking retire. And he shouldn't be fighting. He needs to find something else. He needs to move on from, from MMA. Maybe moving out of fucking Hawaii would be the right job for him because it seems like every time he steps out in Hawaii, there's someone fucking hassling him and stuff. So, you know... Hopefully BJ Penn can start out. I think we all love BJ Penn. He's, you know, everyone when they started watching MMA, he was always a favourite. And, you know, to, to see this kind of happening is, is, is always sad. But however. Um, right. That's it for me. Just before we go, go I just want to get your opinion. Uh, the In your opinion, the world's best uh, defender, Chris Smalling, might be joining AS Roma. Yeah. Uh, to let him go before Phil Jones is the most ridiculous thing of all time. Like, it's, it's stupid. Like, it's so stupid. It's so stupid. Oh. God almighty. Man United. Great crack. Don't. Go, go and listen to the True Balls podcast, everyone. Go on, listen to it. It's very good. Uh, do, do you talk about the Champions League? Who does your friend yeah. support? Uh, Man United as well. Ah, what a what a biased ah, podcast! No, you, Don't bother listening to that. Get no, over no, onto no. the Liverpool podcast. It's way better. <laughs> listen to episode two. We do loads of. We actually do like extremely negative talk against Man United and really positive for Liverpool. So listen to episode. Uh, Man United two, fans uh, know nothing about football. Don't no, even I'm, I'm the best. I know it all. <laughs> I know it all. All right, uh, that's it from us. Bye, Graham. Enjoy Electric Picnic. Let me hand it over now to Shani to take you through um, UFC China. Take it away, Shani. Thank you very much, Shani. Much appreciated. Um, Right, let's talk about UFC China, but before we do that, a couple of things just to clear up there. Um, I said about Cage Warriors next week, and I think I said it was on uh, Saturday morning, but it's actually on Friday night. I was looking at that time, I think, on MMA Junkie, but uh, it's actually on Friday night, so if you're tuning in for Cage Warriors, uh, don't wait until Saturday and then find out <laughs> it was on Friday, so there's that. Uh, and while we're at it as well, Cage Warriors announced that they're coming back uh, to Ireland on the 9th of November for uh, a card in Cork, which is... Uh, obviously very interesting you know Irish MMA we've talked about it over and over again uh, on the podcast and we'll probably talk about it more you know the the next time I've Graham back on or, or whatever uh, but this is great for Irish MMA you know we've been calling out we've been crying out for shows you know we have obviously Bellator we have Cage Legacy uh, but we don't have enough you know and for cage warriors to come back and they said in the press uh, release as well that this is going to be the first of multiple events that come to ireland over the space of the next couple of years which is absolutely fantastic i believe they said they're coming around the country as well so that's really really great you know we love to see bellator come we love to see uh, cage warriors coming and it's great that akuma up the north as well are putting on shows and cage legacy as well so it's a fantastic for irish mma you know i'm sure over the next few weeks we'll be talking about the the card and whatever and you know as i mentioned uh, earlier on ian gary i'm sure he He'll be on that card. I'm sure Reese McKee will be on that card. Uh, and, uh, you know, every other Irish fighter. There's a lot. Like, I have to mention as well, a Cork MMA. I suppose a lot of people listening to this podcast wouldn't wouldn't uh, know uh, what kind of scene is below Cork. But if you listen to this as well, you probably know I've been to a few Cage Legacy cards down there. Uh, I think two of them were on in the Neptune, in Neptune where the Cage Warriors will be. I said, did I say Cage Legacy? I was at Cage Legacy cards down there where the ca- uh, where the Cage Warriors will be. Uh, and I cut one in the uh, Rochestown Park Hotel as well up there. And there's an absolutely rabid fan base there. Really, really is. You know, there's um, SBG Cork and MMA Cork and a few different gyms down there. 
and they come out and they support their fighters they support their gyms and they really really get behind and if you haven't been there to experience it uh you you might know about it but the scene down in cork is really 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 strong uh and it's kind of you know it's maybe sometimes it's the scene in cork is actually stays in cork if you know what i mean like the, when cards come to cork the lads fight on it and you know it's hard maybe to get fights uh elsewhere and stuff and you know they're you know when the guys out of maybe spg or rhino or you know up the north maybe they find it a little bit easier to get on the big cage warriors cards to get on the you know the bellator or uh, towards the ufc or whatever but this now is a great opportunity for for those lads in cork the mcguire brothers down there very very good um patrick lahan as well a few look there's lots of people uh, around cork there who, who could be talking about probably getting on this card now as well as the reese mckees and ian gary's uh, and all those and hopefully we get a, a big name from across the across the irish sea as well on it so really looking forward to that uh that card it's actually in, in neptune stadium it's going to be on the place i went to ucc so i did my um i did my college exams there so um yeah i'm looking forward to uh looking forward to seeing that so uh it, you know it should be a good card so it's uh it's going to be uh it's it's, it's going to be good november 9th so there you go on that uh right let's talk about uh ufc uh where was it on it was on china anyway Shenzhen, i think um so the, I suppose the undercard in this went back and caught the caught caught a few <laughs> of the fights. Um, there was a really good anaconda choke for Anthony Hernandez there. Uh, Sue Mudajiri, hmm, butchered that name, beat uh, Andres Sukumtap by unanimous decision. Uh, Mizu Inoue, who's been around for a long time, got the win as well there. There was also a win there for uh, uh, Keenan Song, who it was a <laughs> that fight against Derek Grant was a, a bit of a mad fight. Uh, they went hell for leather for the first two rounds was probably around a piece uh, going into the third and then both lads got really really tired and <laughs> they were kind of falling around the place throwing these big shots and everything so uh, that was uh, definitely a very good fight for two rounds and then a bit mad in the third round as well so um you know keenan songs Derek Derek krantz must have one of the best chins in mma i think because he took some big shots and keenan song took some big shots as well in that don't don't get me wrong but uh, krantz took some huge huge shots in that and kept going uh, Kai Cara France got a, a unanimous decision win uh, over Mark De La Raza. Got it uh, thirty twenty seven on two cards and twenty nine twenty eight on the others. Um, I thought it was really really good. Mark De La Raza obviously you know good jiu jitsu guy, good wrestler and stuff. And he went in straight away and tried to take Kai Cara France down. And Cara France did a fucking fantastic job of stopping the takedown uh, and get, got a takedown of himself and was winning on the feet as well. Now, Mark Rosa did a good job as well on the feet. I thought I, I, he actually did better than I thought he'd do. And it was a relatively even fight, but I thought Kai Cara France won it uh, all the way through. Um, I think he's a top prospect coming into flyweight. He's a lot of improving still to do. You know, we saw him in the Ultimate Fighter uh, a while back and he came into that and, you know, okay, he is, like, he's a lot of fights. He's like 35 fights or something like that, but a lot of them, you know, uh, a lot of them came early and I think he started off his career like seven and six or something like that. Uh, and, um, uh, uh, you know, he he's kind of changed up an awful lot, I think, and I think he's turning into a very, very good fighter now and, over the next couple of years, I feel like he'll improve even more. I think he needs to maybe up his output a little bit for the flyweight division. Um, I think he might be used to fighting maybe bigger lads, and the fact that he's fighting lads who are just as as this, you know just the same size as him and uh, just as fast. I think he needs to up the output a little bit, uh, and you know move him. I I think his takedown defense is very good. I think he's good everywhere. Just needs to up it a little bit, but I think that'll come as well. Uh, in the comment event, then. Uh, Li Zhang Liang took on my boy Zeki Dos Santos and won with nine seconds left in the third round in a fight which is a fight 
I really liked, but I feel like it's a fight maybe not everyone would really like. There was a lot of like angling on the outside and moving around and um, you know waiting for the waiting for your opponent to make a mistake before you went in and landed the big shots. Um, so that kind of it was a little bit of a stalemate for long periods. Now there were periods where they kind of burst into a- into action and. Um, there were shots landed and stuff, but other than that, uh, uh, look, I, I thought throughout it, Li Zhang was winning, um, but they were like, I wouldn't say they were hard rounds to score, but they were kind of close, but maybe a little bit clear as well because of, of the, the shots, but uh, yeah, good win there for Li Zhang he's, like we talked about him last week in the podcast, he's a, a top, top prospect in, in China as well, he's won what, like, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven of his last eight fights, only losing to Jake Matthews, is also another, all uh, you know, also a top prospect as well. Uh, so you know, he's 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 climbing the ranks through there, and I always look forward to Li Zhang and the Zeki Dos Santos fight is uh, win is a very good win as well for him. So there you go. Uh, and in the main event, um, Weili Zhang went out there and she did the business. You know, forty-two seconds against Jessica Andrade. And it was it was it was a really a great win, you know. She went out and like you're fighting Jessica Andrade, and you're expecting, you know, you're expecting what Jessica Andrade brings. You're expecting that fire. You're expecting Jessica Andrade to come out and throw those big hooks, and you know, throw the um, throw <laughs> all the shots in her playbook immediately. That's the kind of fighter Jessica Andrade is. But. It's it's grand expecting that and kind of knowing it, but having the answer for it is special, you know, and it's tough, and it's not always going to happen, but Weili Zhang had it, Weili Zhang, she came out and she was countering immediately, free. like, Andraj actually started, um, okay, it was only 42 seconds, but maybe like the first 15 to 20 seconds, maybe even less than that, um, looking for her shots a little bit more, trying to pick them a little bit more, and... Weili Zhang was hitting her, so Andrade immediately went to throw another couple of shots, and every time she threw a shot, Weili Zhang was countering, she was coming in that right hand right through the middle, and then Andrade opened up and threw three or four big shots like she normally does, and Weili Zhang hit her with that one huge right hand right down the middle, and the fight was over then, everything after that was was just finishing it really, that right hand ended the fight, Andrade was on wobbly legs, she didn't know what she was doing, Weili Zhang hit her with lovely elbows, I think she hit her with a couple even before that as well, but it was the right hand, uh, hit her with knees down through the middle, uh, hit her with another few elbows, put her down, and, and uh, it was stopped pretty quickly, I thought the, the stoppage was grand and everything, uh, so like, I picked Weili Zhang last week, or was at least thinking about it, but was thinking, you know, it was it was definitely a wise uh, a wise pick if you were picking it. I think I think she's a very very good fighter, and I could see that shot coming a hundred percent. I think Graham even said the same as well. Um, but I don't think anyone would have predicted the way she did it. You know, to come out in forty two seconds and take Jessica Andrade apart like that, hit her with shots before, like. It's grand if your game plan is to come out right and someone you expect someone to throw big shots and you're going to counter them. Or you expect someone to uh, you know take their time and look for their shots and then you go and you attack them. But it's even tougher to hit, throw the shots and land them when the person is not giving you the opportunity to counter. And then also when they do give you the opportunity to counter, to land those counters and fuck her up and hurt her very badly using them. So that, you know, it just shows how well-rounded she is. You know, a lot of people... And, and, you know, I, I love get, talking about game planning and stuff like that. But you can game plan as much as you want. But if you don't have the ability to go out and produce it, if you and if you have the ability to produce a performance like she did 
in the little, and it was only 42 seconds, so I suppose I might be overanalyzing a little bit, but the, f- the way she produced what she did produce at the time she did produce it was phenomenal. You can't buy that. You you can learn it. You, you know, she has learned it. I'm not saying it's natural or anything like that, but <laughs> that's something that the best fighters in the world have. That's something the elite fighters have, and no doubt about it. She is an elite fighter. She is one of the best fighters in the world. And it's going to be hard to get that title off for her. You know, there's some fantastic fights there. Maybe coming up, Rose and Yunus, Maybe Andrade again uh, down the line. Maybe uh, uh, Yuani and Jacek. I'd love to see the Yuani and Jacek fight, actually. It'd, it'd be phenomenal. I'd love to see the Rose fight as well. But Weili Zhang, you know, putting China on the map. Putting Chinese MMA on the map. Putting herself on the map, especially. And a star really could be born. That event today was a big, big event. That was an event where the UFC are moving into the new, a new market, maybe the biggest market in the world, and they, they needed that win. Really, like I'm, I'm sure they they weren't saying it, and they, you know, if Andrade won, they'd be, uh, you know, it'd be grand. Um, but I'm sure they're happy as well <laughs> that uh, Weili Zhang went in there and just decimated Jessica Andrade, a high level, top, top fighter absolutely decimated her so that was absolutely phenomenal you know shout out to Wei Li Zhang uh, shout out to to, to uh, everyone in fairness alright that's it for me um, sign up patreon patreon.com forward slash severe med podcast I'll have the Q&A out Tuesday if you have any questions coming out after this I won't be recording the Q&A till like Sunday evening so if you're listening to this Sunday morning or Saturday night or whenever I, I manage to put it up uh, fire us out some uh, fire us in some questions at severe med pod or put them up on uh, patreon uh, alright all that's left to do is leave you on the inspirational quote of the week. The happiest people are the ones who make others happy. I'll see you next Tuesday. Or Saturday maybe.